Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9 30 a.m. on KKNW. Welcome to Holding Ground. I'm Michelle Mooney, a licensed trauma and couples therapist and a clinical director at Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. We are here live on uh, 11.50 a.m. talk radio every week in Seattle at 9.30, but you can stream this show anytime wherever you catch your podcast. Today, I'm here with another licensed trauma and couples therapist at Anchor Light Therapy, Ashlyn Graff. Good morning, Ashlyn. Good morning, Michelle, and good morning to our listeners. Uh, We really appreciate you, and I'm excited to be back here. Uh, I just want to remind everyone at Anchor Light Therapy Collective that we offer a complimentary consultation to all potential clients who want to discover how therapy might help them achieve their goals. So if you're interested, go to anchorlighttherapy.com slash get started. Awesome. So Ashlyn, today we are talking about a very popular topic. It comes up a lot uh, with clients I see, and I know it does for you as well. Um, So, so many children um, and adult children now, right, grew up with emotionally immature parents. So this is a two-part series where we'll take a deep dive into what uh, emotionally immature parents are, what it does to the child, the kinds of emotionally immature parents, and what to do about it. So Ashlyn, let's jump right in. What is emotional maturity? Yeah, so um, when I think of emotional maturity, I think um, it indicates that the individual can acknowledge difficult emotions, but doesn't become totally overrun by them. Uh, They're able to communicate emotions with others in a healthy way. Uh, They're capable of emotional regulation. They seek help and support from other adults when it is needed. And uh, people who are emotionally mature don't blame their emotions on others, particularly their kids. Um, I really like the metaphor that emotions are kind of like kids in a car. We don't want them driving the car, but we also should not be throwing them in the trunk. (laughs) So that kind of means that they should be recognized safe in that middle seat, taken care of without taking total control. That's awesome. That's great. I love that analogy, Ashlyn. Um, Yeah, so again, the majority of the clients I see with childhood trauma have emotionally uh, immature parents or primary caregivers. So, and I think, right, when folks decide to have children and when they become parents, um, you know, no parent is perfect, um, but I think um, being able to regulate our emotions and, uh, you know, increase our emotional maturity is even more important um, as we raise children. So, uh, because emotionally immature parents don't really have the ability to deal with their emotions in a healthy way. So you would have to imagine I mean, if they're not even able to manage their emotions, their internal world is very chaotic. It's going to be that way in the external world as well and translate to how they are taking care of their children. So. So um, they don't have effective coping mechanisms to regulate emotions and maintain competent function or uh, especially in stressful situations. Um, Most likely then, again, if um, you're you're facing an issue, if you are an emotionally immature parent at this point, it will directly affect your child. So, um, and and it's important to point out that emotionally mature parents may provide you safe home, a good education, uh, things that money can buy. Um, However, when you need to receive um, emotional support, that's where they can start to fall short. 
So Ashlyn, um, what is the first thing in that emotionally immature parents um, do? Yeah, so I would say emotionally immature parents don't really create healthy space for their kids' emotional expression. And the kids get the message that their emotions do not matter over time. Uh, so this might look like a lack of validation. Um, it might look like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, don't cry, uh, kind of a thing that you may have heard growing up. Um, yeah. It might look like taking negative emotions as a failure in their parenting, uh, rather than an actual like vulnerable effort to communicate. Uh, so kind of like that, like, well, what, what am I doing wrong if you're angry or if you're sad rather than just allowing that space? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I can't say how many of my clients who have been haunted by the phrase, like, I'm sorry, I'm a bad mom when attempting mm -hmm. to communicate her feelings. Right, right. Um, instead of either taking some sort of accountability or, uh, you know, apologizing in some sort of way, it, it's almost kind of shifting the, um, you know, now this is me, I'm a victim here in this moment, right? You are giving me feedback, or we're trying to engage in a way where you're trying to share your emotions and something maybe has gone wrong. And so instead of saying, right, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have raised my voice. I'll try better next time, right? It goes all the way to, well, I'm just a bad mom. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it, it, it's it's quite uh, extreme. And um, so, uh, and this leads right into uh, emotionally mature parents. They have very disproportionate responses to their emotions. So if you see your child, for example, pouring their cereal wrong and it starts to annoy you for some reason, right? It's triggering something. Um, instead of teaching the child the right way, they can create shame, right? How do you not know only this much cereal goes in there and he spilled the milk and things like that, where, you know, maybe the parent even picks up the cereal and might throw it because there's so many or so much, uh, so much just regulated in that moment versus this is a teaching moment for the child. Um, so uh, they can also see when there is disagreements or some sort of conflict, they might learn that violence is okay when conflict comes up or, you know, differing opinions of some sort. Or the other thing is that they, um, emotionally immature parents can be underwhelmed sometimes. So if something is going really great for the child, they might say, well, yeah, that's what's expected. Good job, right? They're not really engaging in celebration of these moments because all these moments are really important to the child, right? And if the parent is not celebrating with them, they can start to kind of feel like, well, I should celebrate for myself, right? I have all these achievements in life, but, you know, what does it really matter? Um, so uh, what are some other signs, Ashlyn, of emotionally mature? Yeah, uh, so some other signs, that you may have had an emotionally immature parent is that you had to care for an adult's emotions and needs growing up. Um, I call that parentification. So it's kind of like when the parent leans on their child for emotional support during difficult times in life, often in a way that is not developmentally appropriate. Um, when this happens, the child feels that they have to take care of the parent rather than the parent taking care of the child. And this often results in a sense of growing up too fast or believing that their own needs just don't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And it can really form that belief. Um, my needs do not matter. 
So um, adult children of folks that grew up with emotionally immature parents, they can have a lack of their own personal identity because they had to put so much aside for like you were just saying, if they were parentified, you know, their needs weren't paramount, right? Kind of, you know, mom's crying again, all right, I gotta go see there, figure out how to do that. Um, you know, and then, well, that soccer game I wanted to try playing or that new book I wanted to read, I have to keep putting these things aside. So children don't get to learn or play as much because their attention does have to be focused on a caregiver and kind of trying to keep the water smooth, right? It can almost be this game of like, okay, everything seems okay today, right? Okay, maybe mom's a little stressed today. What do I do, right? The child is having that sense of what do I do in these moments? So um, again, they feel like there's really no space for them. Um, so, and that can translate into adulthood, right? If you didn't have the experience of being able to read and, um, you know, explore the world, you're maybe going to have a hard time figuring out in the end, hey, what, what do I even like, right, as an adult? So, you know, we see that sometimes, Ashlyn, I know uh, you do as well, where we're trying to help folks identify what brings them joy, what they want in their lives other than work. Um, so, you know, and another piece of this that's really important to point out is uh, these children can develop this role of the helper and it becomes helper so fused with their identity um, and it might start to become the only way that they feel like they have value so that's you know a really unfortunate effect of this as well is that it becomes their identity mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um I think like kids also they learn that in order to survive the situation that they can't always be their authentic self if being their authentic self was not okay for some reason when they were growing up. Um, so whatever patterns those kids use to survive tend to follow them again later in life, uh, whether those patterns be hiding or yelling back or running away, or people pleasing or blending in. Um, this tends to be really unconscious. And I would say it shows up a lot in couples therapy of like when they start to feel disconnected or emotionally unsafe in the relationship, um, they go back to that hiding or withdrawing or yelling to get attention or people pleasing. Um, so it really does kind of follow into adult relationships as well. Yeah, that's really important point that you just made because when they're triggered, right, when we can become triggered, um, we go back to child self if there's um, childhood trauma there, right? So like you're saying, they react the same way they may have when they were growing up. So it just becomes so habitual, right? That's just mm -hmm. how things become wired in their brains until, you know, we, we do some therapy, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, some other signs of emotionally immature parents are they can fear their um, own emotions. So if they're having some sort of negative emotion, like anxiety, for example, and right? instead of saying to yourself, all right, I'm anxious today, I don't love this, but it is temporary, you know, it, it makes sense. I'm stressed out at work. Um, emotionally immature folks, they would assign that feeling as bad. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, there can be a, a sense of shame around it. So, you know, a lot of emotional stuffing, right? Because here comes that anxiety. I don't want to think about it. I'm feeling a little angry. I don't want to feel that either. So it comes all this pushing down of emotions and not expressing emotions in a healthy way when they do come up. So the kids are learning. I, I have to shove down my emotions uh, as well. So, um, and you know, things like um, it, 
it, let's say a parent had some sort of experience with grief at some point in their life. And then the child, right, they have this goldfish and they love the goldfish and goldfish suddenly dies. Well, the child is grieving and they might not even realize this is grief. This is the process that I'm going through. And, you know, a parent who's emotionally immature, um, instead of being loving and supportive and wanting to hear more about the goldfish and what should we do to honor his life, you know, you've seen plenty of kids who bury their goldfish fish in the backyard <laughs> they might just say like you know what get over it pets die you know because again grief is uncomfortable and then they translate that to bad emotion don't have it yeah yeah and this kind of goes into having um like just flawed defense mechanisms like denying problems or projecting um or projective identification um so so with those there's really more reactivity than responsiveness to the kids when the kid needs that like support. Yes, yeah, exactly. So next we're gonna talk about Ashlyn, what causes our parents maybe to become emotionally immature? What's going on for them? Uh, so I, I think this could, could be obvious to a lot of people and not so obvious <laughs> to some, but oftentimes it is their own childhood. Um, emotionally immature parents are not always aware of their mental or emotional health for themselves. And it's helpful to recognize that this is most of the time not intentional and is more likely related to intergenerational trauma and our culture. So a lot of the time, um, people who are abused might be more likely to abuse their kids. Not everybody, um, people who grow up like getting the message that it's not okay to have emotions might send that message to their kids. Um, so we really do take on um, the messages that are passed down through either our culture or families um, until you become more aware and you break those patterns. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily have the language or the tools or the knowledge to name emotional immaturity particularly if they grow up in families that just didn't talk about mental health at all. Yeah, absolutely. And you make such a good point too, Ashlyn. Again, the, these parents that are emotionally mature oftentimes, are, you know, aren't meaning to be, you know, less than, you know, perfect parents in any sort of way. It is because of how they were raised and what was modeled to them. And something um, that's important uh, for some clients, as long as it doesn't dredge up too much pain or discomfort, is trying to learn more about their family heritage, what um, your grandparents may have went through, right? You might not understand their immigration process and things like that and what that must have been like for them. So how does that translate to how they raised your parent? And these things can be, continue to be uh, passed down. So um, yeah, and for, um people who are listening to this that that have a therapist asking your therapist about doing maybe like a genogram to explore uh that can be a really good way to to make a chart of your family and, and patterns uh through time yeah yeah totally yeah that's so important a lot of that family of origin stuff because again if we zoom out right we have more information it's not just well mom doesn't want to be a good mom there's always something going on there's always something behind behavior so um it's very important to know that and know like well my parents are probably stuck in some sort of way and you know they're doing the best they can other parents right maybe not as much intentionality around that but and that kind of goes into our next one um any sort of um personality disorder that leads to a lack of empathy so we talk about the bigger ones like 
um, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, which again is not, oh, he's a narcissist because he looks in merit. It's actually a clinical serious diagnosis. If you get um, diagnosed with uh, narcissistic personality disorder, you can see this a little bit in borderline personality disorder. Um, a lot of other ones, the um, antisocial kind of tree, right? That leads to uh, psychopathy and um, sociopathic behavior. But anyway, these kind of disorders where uh, empathy is just missing, right? That can be a really difficult one. They're not gonna be as emotionally mature and know how to raise their child in a way where they're in tune with empathy and their emotions. And so, um, and sometimes this can um, create kind of this like diva versus doormat dynamic. So like if mom, for example, is in diva mode or dad, right, it can be either parent. Um, they're more grandiose, entitled, maybe more aggressive, um, not really respectful of their child's boundaries or other people's boundaries in general. Or the doormat, which we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, is this more passive or passive aggressive kind of uh, parent. Um, maybe they're kind of stuck in the victim mode, right? Well, oh gosh, well, I guess I'm just a bad mother versus you know what? I appreciate you sharing that with me. I, I won't uh, try to do that again in the future. So um, personality disorders uh, definitely can come into play here. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that can also look like when the parents are rigid and always right, kind of have that like my way or the highway mentality of not really taking uh, their kids or other family members uh, points of view into consideration. Um, it, it can also look like refusing to apologize or take accountability for mistakes or deflecting responsibility. Uh, so saying like, oh, I did that because you did this. Um, and I think guilt is often used as a way to avoid accountability. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I agree with that. Um, all right, so another one that can make our parents emotionally immature is if they have a substance use issue or some sort of other uh, process addiction, um, things like gambling or sex addiction or whatever it might be. Um, this is a maladaptive way of folks trying to cope with their just, uh, uncomfortable emotions, right? We know it works. That's why people do it. You reach for, you know, some alcohol. You don't temper, you temporarily don't have to feel, right? Maybe you can go to a maybe more happy mode, at least at the very least you're numbed and that's what folks uh, want. And then you can become really um, hooked on not having to feel your emotions, right? Escaping your pain and reality because it's just too hard. You haven't learned healthier adaptive ways, maybe from your caregivers of the with difficult emotions. So, you know, a lot of people just try to turn them off in some sort of way. So, um, you know, again, it, it, it can also, uh, substance use disorders can, um, you know, also become kind of like an attachment disorder. Well, mom and dad were there for me. I couldn't uh, healthily attach to them, but guess what? You know, alcohol is always there for me. Our gambling is always there for me and become hooked on this thing that's always there for us. Um, so, um, you know, especially if you have children and you're engaged in some sort of uh, substance use or process addiction disorder, um, you know, obviously those it doesn't help uh, even more, right? It's not just trying to cope with emotions on your own, but your children are having to start to witness this, maybe witness some bad behavior, definitely neglect if nothing else, right? Your parents aren't always available for you if if they are in the midst of some sort of this uh, substance use disorder. So again, maybe not trying to be a bad parent, but definitely not having healthy ways of taking care of themselves and it does affect the child. 
Um, so, um, you know, and the kids, um, again, need to kind of anticipate, all right, it seems like mom drank today. She's kind of slurring her words, maybe stumbling a little bit. Okay, this is what it means for my day, right? The, the whole day can be dictated by our parents' emotions or try ability or um, attempts to cope with those emotions. So, um, uh, and then kids can also start to feel bad, right? If I was just better, if I did better in school, or if I was nicer and gave mom more hugs or things like that, maybe she wouldn't have to drink today. So kids can really form a sense of responsibility. I should have done more to prevent this from happening because mom's needing to do this because she needs to escape for some sort of reason. So I was just better, right? Maybe I'm the cause of the problem. Um, you know, maybe I can fix this for her. Um, so what is the last one, Ashlyn, that can uh, come into play here? And again, this is maybe a more obvious one, but definitely applies. Yeah, and this is covered a little bit, but I kind of want to broaden the umbrella of just uh, mental health challenges in general can really affect the way that we react and respond to others. And sometimes when we are in states of mind that are so anxious or so depressed or so traumatized or um, related to those kind of personality disorders that you talked about earlier, we're not always responding in the most um, emotionally mature ways. So I think that um, something that comes up a lot with the clients that I see who talk about having emotionally immature parents are just having undiagnosed and untreated mental health challenges that they uh, either don't want to acknowledge or don't really believe in the treatment for, um, which is a big shame because I think uh, when you deal with those, you can create stronger bonds uh, with your family and with your kids. And um, yeah, I think that just mental health challenges can really affect the way that we respond. Yeah, yeah. Again, like you're saying, it's this huge umbrella. And imagine if you're a child of an emotionally uh, immature parent and you've gone through some of these things and you can start to develop maybe some trauma or PTSD around it. Mm -hmm. Imagine if your you know, parents probably came from the same situation they probably have a lot of childhood trauma, like we were talking about earlier, and then maybe their parents. And even if a parent uh, is able to really emotionally regulate, or uh, at least to the best of their abilities, children can still sense that generational anxiety, right? That could become imprinted on the person. Um, so yeah. they, that energy is still there because it, it dictates how your parents are still, um, participating in the world and what their life experiences are and their functionality. So even if they can kind of keep it together in front of the children, uh, children can pick up on these things. And it's always, you know, parents might, you know, I, we hear a lot, uh, well, they're too young to know what we're talking about, or they don't really understand <laughs> right now. Never, ever assume that because even if they can't talk, they're pre-verbal, they're picking up on the energy, they're picking up on how much you love them or maybe aren't engaging with them. They can sense tension. Um, kids know, um, even if they might not have the words or uh, mental capacity to really understand what's going on, they can sense something is off and, and that yeah. that's enough to um, really, really destabilize uh, a child. So um all right. Well, Ashlyn, that is all the time we have for today. 
Um, so next week, we are going to have the second part of this episode where we're going to talk about the different kinds of emotionally immature parents. There's actually categories. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, what this does to the child, which we've already mentioned, but you know how that translates into adulthood um, and how to heal if you've had an emotionally immature parent or perhaps you are one and you're looking for support. So Thanks for everyone for listening today and we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.